Thing Writing Podcast. Hello and welcome to That Thing Writing Podcast, the podcast for writers by writers. My name's Joe Payne, I have been a writer for pretty much as long as I can remember. I've done a bit of everything. Uh, I've written for stage, for screen, written short stories, poetry, instruction manuals. I'm writing a video game at the moment, but the one thing I've never managed to finish is a novel. And I'm writing one at the moment, in fact I'm writing several at the moment, as most novelists are. And I'd really, really love to finish it. So this podcast, in many ways, is the journey of my novel, whilst also being a learning process for me. And I'll be passing on my learning to you, good listeners. And with me is my co-host, Hannah, who I'll pass over to. Hi, I'm Hannah. Um, I have been writing for about 18 months now because I met another author who I stalked a little bit, read her books and went, ah, do you know what? I think I could do this. <laughs> Why? Why it's that easy. It really is. Well, it kind of was because I got an idea and it wasn't a fully formed idea in any way, shape or form. And I just wrote. I just I, I wrote it down. It was like verbal diarrhea on a page. Joe hasn't even seen draft one of this book. It's it's painful. Uh, I'm currently reading draft four. Yes, you are. <laughs> I wouldn't use the word painful exactly. I mean, it's it's like I changed a lot in the first three chapters. I'd, I'd say it's so. like pins and needles. Yeah, it's kind of a, a, Aww, a mild annoyance, but if I shake my neck hard, it'll annoyance. go away. That's the nicest thing anyone said about my book ever. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, normally people are like, "Oh, it's really good. I really enjoyed it," and I'm like. <sighs> I didn't need to know if you enjoyed it or not. I know it's enjoyable because I go three months not reading it, forget what happens, have to read it through again and go, do you know what? This is actually all right. <laughs> it, it genuinely is, uh, listeners, it is actually quite good. Um, it just needs a bit of work. It it needs some floofing. Indeed. Floofing is floofing. specifically the term I would use. I don't know if it's the term I'd use. It was just the word that came to mind. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, tangent aside... Um, I'm a predominantly young adult fantasy writer. Um, I excel at one thing, and that's finishing novels. Rewriting them, however, can go and die. Yeah, rewriting the bane of all writers' existence, but nobody ever got published from a first draft. Damn. I'm, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, it's never happened. It never will happen. And it, you know, if you think it will happen, then you are killing yourself horribly. You're delusional yes go and see a psychiatrist some kind of writing theme psychiatrist oh my gosh are those a thing because i need i need a shrink who's a writer i need someone who understands i'm not sure writers have time to be shrinks i this should be a thing okay this should be a thing shrinks who also know what it's like to write novels or at least attempt to write novels do you know what i mean that that whole i need to write everybody shut up i need to write this down before i forget it that we yeah. need psychiatrists to understand that if you're a psychiatrist who's also a writer please do get in touch uh, we'd love to hear from you i have many many clients for you many yes and um, start with us actually that, yes that would be definitely <laughs> starting with me the starting point. <laughs> thank you very much Today's episode is focused mainly on character, and I know we'll go on tangents, we'll go all over the place, but uh, character is our key focus for today. Do you think it's possible to have something without a character, have a text without a character? Would that be, would that even work? 
It's possible. It's also boring. Yeah, you'd ha- you'd have your empty room wherein nothing happens. You can tell a story yeah. without a character, though. I mean, uh, very famously, the shortest story that has been successful is um, for sale: one pair of baby shoes, never worn. Yeah, true. Which has implied characters, true. but no actual characters. Yeah. I would still count the shoes as the character because they have a history, they have a backstory, they they have a future to go towards. You know, someone can come into that story and purchase those baby shoes, mm. and they they have a history and a story and and a personality of their own. Because what do those shoes look like? What? Um, why weren't they worn? Which is what people got really excited about it was the why haven't they been worn mm, a, a fascinating I'm, like, story. Dude, you, I'm like dude have you ever had a baby they grow so freaking fast you can buy the pair of shoes and the next morning they don't fit anymore no I don't think you can have a story without a character that character doesn't necessarily need to be a person it can be a cat cats have great personality they, they have personality I'll give you that well I think they have great personality because they can be dickheads and they don't care. Yeah, and you kind of forgive them for it. Much like I Yeah, because... Yeah. I mean, I lost count of the number of times I said to both the cat and the toddler, it's a good job that you're cute. Yeah. Um, inanimate objects can have a lot of character. They can. Um, you know, I'm as emotionally attached to Harry's firebolt as I am to Harry, which... Actually, as a lie, I'm more attached to Harry's firebolt than I am to Harry. That firebolt's cool. I want one. <laughs> also, Harry's a goonie little loik. He gets... No, no, he's a goonie little loik. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you, you can tell a lot of stories with description as well, can't you? Absolutely. Um, you know, there, there's some sections in Harry... That, Harry Potter's one of my favourite book series. You're going to hear a lot about it. I'm obsessed. Yeah, um, J.K. Rowling, if you are listening and I wouldn't for a second assume that you are, and you fancy doing an interview, get in touch. Please. Yes, please. Please do. I'll turn I'll turn the microphone off, sit in the corner, squeeing and fanlo- fangirling like a maniac, right, because J.K. Rowling's on our Skype call, what? Yeah, we'll, we'll be on the um, separate side of the country, Hannah and I, and yet you'll be able to hear her squeeing from here. <laughs> yeah, that high-pitched noise. I'll have to edit out. <laughs> You're like, what was that? <laughs> The entire country will be at a standstill going, what is that? It's Hannah. Dogs looking in the <laughs> sky, pigeons falling out of it. <laughs> it's Armageddon. Yeah. No, no, it's Hannah just being really excited she gets to talk to Joe, Joe Rowling. Cause, nah. um, I, I can't see it happening, but if it does, that would be wonderful. Um, hey, dream big, my <laughs> friend, dream big. <laughs> so, description. Yeah, um, she has, um, for those of you who have read the books, Joe. Well, I, I will never, ever lie about it. I read the first one, couldn't stand it, and didn't pick up another one. Well, that's because the first one is like... Your first book's always a bit rubbish. They always get better the further in the series you go, right? Uh, In many cases, yes. Okay. We'll save that rant for another time, right? (laughs) Because that's that's long. That's an entire episode's worth of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a, a section in book four at the Quidditch World Cup where she describes the match so perfectly that, that you can see every single action that happens and it's quick paced and it's beautifully done and not a single word is wasted. 
and hardly anyone speaks. You've got one character, Ludo Bagman. Some of the time you catch what he's saying. Most of the time, Harry's far too involved in the game to actually notice what's going on. And as it's mostly his point of view, you get to ignore Ludo Bagman for 90% of it, which is a plus in my opinion. <laughs> he's a sports commentator. Most of them I can't stand. Ludo Bagman, so board game tramp, if we're going to use synonyms. Yeah. That's an interesting but not. name. Do you know what? Joe Rowling has some fantastic names, and do you know what? So many of them are puns. I'll give you that, actually. Her naming of characters <laughs> is outstanding. So many of them are puns. It's beautiful. While we're talking about description, actually, um, now will be a fantastic time to go on to an occasional feature. If people like it, I might make it a regular. Uh, something I like to call the family-friendly five minutes. Yes. Now, I enjoy a good thriller. I like a good thriller book sometimes. Just something pulpy, just something different that I can get my teeth into outside of the normal literary genres that I tend to frequent. And uh, last year, I read a book called Nomad, a wonderful author named James Swallow. It was his, uh, I believe it was his debut. And I really, I thought it was really, really good. But what got in the way was uh, page 88 and 9. And I remember that to this day. It's a 400-page novel. But I still remember pages 88 to 9 because it's one of the worst, most shoehorned in sex scenes that I've ever read. (laughs) Now, I have a young daughter and she is... I don't want her to be corrupted by this sort of thing. I don't want... She's. I mean, she's five months old. She's not going to be reading it, I'll be honest. But <laughs> for when she is old enough, I'd like to be able to present to her a version that is maybe a little more child-friendly. What I've decided to do is I've decided to replace any naughty words in this particular part of the text uh, with child's party food. <laughs> a segment I'd like to call the family-friendly five minutes. So this is uh, an extract from Nomad. He tasted the rich, burnt caramel flavour of the wine when they kissed, and the tip of her tongue pushed at his lips. Sam pressed the curve of herself into him, and he resisted for a moment before he bent into the motion. There was a bedroom upstairs, but it seemed like it was too damn far to go, so they slipped into the living room where chinks of evening sunset threw honey-gold light over the walls and the threadbare furnishings. Sam pushed him back onto the sofa with a steady, firm pressure, the heel of her hand on his chest and he fell back with a bump. They had more wine between Mark pulling off his jacket and shirt and Sam discarding her blouse. There was something coy in her eyes as she unclipped her bra and rolled it up off of her jelly and ice cream and away. <laughs> Mark traced the line up from her cheese and pineapple on sticks, following the edges of her cocktail sausage. Coming up under her small scotch eggs and matching the curve where they merged with her strong square party rings. (laughs) Sam had a build that was part athlete, part dancer, and smooth skin that most women her age would have killed for. In the sunset light, her eyes glittered and she laughed softly, as Mark gently stroked her ice gems with his thumb. (laughs) I've got an idea, she told him. Let me drive. With dexterity, she used one hand to unbutton her jeans, and the other to work on the buckle and zip of Mark's cargo trousers. It took some shifting, but soon they were naked. Sam straddled his triangle sandwiches with the crust cut off. (laughs) Pressing into him, her body relaxed and blood warm. 
pick up her mini pizzas. <laughs> Made Sam gasp and give a soft giggle as his long fingers stroked the flesh between her flying saucers. <laughs> she bent forward, pushing her pick and mix towards his mouth and slowly rocking her hips forward and back, forward and back. <laughs> they both gasped as she let him enter her quinoa salad, and the pace of their motions changed picking up speed. Mark felt sweat beating his back, his arms a sound ground against him. <laughs> he let himself fall into it. She rose up, and her back arched, supported by the line of his legs, his knees behind her shoulders. He guided her hips as she ran her hands up along her stomach. <clears throat> Sorry, I'll listen to him for a second. <laughs> I will continue in a second. I'm crying. I'm genuinely crying. <laughs> Along her stomach, her foam bananas, and around <laughs> her neck, strobe lights blinked and ranged across the walls in bars of cold blue as an ambulance raced along, past, along, along the street outside. Sam was framed in the light for a split second, her dark eyes shining. She became a silhouette lined in icy colour, and a lone moan escaped her lips as she came closer to a delicious carton of squash. Mark tensed, teeth set, unwilling to release before she did. I'm, I'm running out of food here, this is difficult. <laughs> this, there's, there, this, this is so poorly written. Yours is a much better version. <laughs> he slipped his fingers between her jammy dodger and stroked her there, building the tempo. Sam tensed and pushed back, but finally it was enough for them both. She gave out a sound that was sharp, like the bark of a vixen. Dragging it into a drawn-out sight. I didn't make that up, that's what it says. <laughs> in turn, his head lolled forwards as a shudder ran through him, a low hiss escaping from his teeth. I've run out of food, I need one more. <laughs> Genuinely. Rolls. Oh yeah, yeah, sausage rolls is a good one. All the strength in Mark's arms, his muscles vanished and he sagged back, his sweat-slick skin suddenly itchy against the cotton covers of the sofa. Oh, sausage rolls, he managed. <laughs> he was dry-throated and hoarse. That's the word, yeah, Sam whispered, bending down to kiss his chest. She let her weight settle on him and they lay there as the room turned darker, the shadows lengthening. And there you are. So there's a child-friendly version of that particular scene from James Swallow's Nomad. Uh, I am available for audiobooks. Please do get in touch. If you have any other scenes you'd like to suggest, please do send us an email at thingwriting at gmail.com and uh, I'll gladly read them out in a similar style. Every week there will be a different uh, category, so just take your pick, really. If you have any category suggestions, please do uh, let me know as well. You killed me. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> so I'll need a new co-host as well for next week, so if you are interested, please do get in touch. Same email address. Find us on Twitter at thingwriting. Um, we, we'll call the next one In Memoriam of Hannah <laughs> oh, I'm crying guys I'm genuinely crying oh, that was amazing <laughs>
Oh, you seriously going to make me choose? Because the thing is, we've, we've recorded this segment before, right? And my favourite character I went with went was the Severus Snape, right? He's like a hero to me, that man, right? I refuse to believe that he killed Dumbledore maliciously. Spoilers, Dumbledore dies. <laughs> well, I'm not reading it now. <laughs> Ruined everything. Um, I refuse to believe that he did that any other way, because no way on this earth does one of the most prideful characters in the book, Dumbledore, beg for his death without cause, right? That that was my logic for that. And then when I got proved right, I basically jumped around the house for 10 minutes going, I was right, I was right, I was right. Um, I can <laughs> and my entirely believe that this being, happened. Yeah. Um, I was actually waving my arm around there, for those of you who aren't in the room with me, which is everyone. Including me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> We're not even on video, because, you know, video slows everything down. Plus, nobody wants to look at my face. And nobody wants to look at the fact I haven't brushed my hair in a week. I don't have any hair, so I guess you're still winning. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure you're winning, because I'm going to have to brush it at some point. Oh. Um, so... I'd... Is it really arrogant to choose one of your characters as your favourite character? Yes, but go on. Because <laughs> at the moment, I am really, really a massive fan of Castien. He's just... Because at the moment, I'm doing the rewrite and I'm showing more of his backstory and where he comes from. Still keeping a lot under wraps because that man hates sharing anything. Right? Getting any story out of him is like blood from a stone, which is why we're not writing it from his point of view, because, oh my gosh. Um, but he's my favourite character to write, because he's one of the hardest. <laughs> Ironically. Because he is so politically minded. He's one of those people that's relatively quiet, sees Literally everything. And is one of the most politically astute people I've ever imagined. He's based on me, by the way. No, he's not, because he's got long blonde hair, you fool. Oh, yeah. He's based on the complete opposite of me, by the way. <laughs> um, and the one of the big things that I've learned about him recently when I'm, I'm sat and I'm... I'm getting to know him as a character and starting to to understand where the story is, is going is how willing he is to make himself look like the villain. Hashtag spoilers. You guys are going to get all the spoilers, right? If, if you want to read these books, email me right now and I will send you first draft so you don't get too big a spoiler from this podcast, right? Cause please, please do <laughs> get in touch with us, actually, uh, by email at any time. It's thingwriting at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at thingwriting or find us on Facebook. The Thing Writing Podcast, facebook.com slash thingwriting, um, forward slash plug. Um, so Cassian, he's completely willing to set himself up as the villain to protect as many people as possible. And I'm really looking forward to writing this because it's going to be so painful for me to do because he is one of my favourite characters because he's so difficult and complex to write, he's one of those people that thinks on about 10 different levels. If he does something, it's because he's thought about it 10 different ways and how it's going to influence every single thing. And I'm sat there and I'm looking at Castien going, hang on, slow down. What are you doing? So he's fantasy Batman. He's better than Batman. 
because he's not, you know, dressed in black all the time and and skulking around in caves. He sits in a he sits in council meetings and prods people in the right direction. They don't even realise he's doing it. It's brilliant. Uh, I, I will not accept these better than Batman. Are you a Batman fan? I, I'm a Bat fan. You're a Bat fan. I, I have no grounds to comment. I have a Batman scrub cap. So yes, I'm aware of this. Yes, I sent you a photo on New Year's Eve. Yeah, it was it was in post okay. invigorating. <laughs> Ew, Joe. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's my favourite character at the moment. It changes. I think it changes depending on my mood. Changes depending on what I'm writing at the moment. Because for a lot of the time, Dezar is my favourite character to write because he makes me giggle. Um, however, there's only so much you can put up with a short dwarf who's really sarcastic. I, I feel like I should be offended. He's shorter than you are. Oh, that's alright then. That's... He's four foot four. Oh, right, he is right? shorter this than me. This dwarf is four foot four. He's teeny tiny. Oh, that's alright then. Even for a dwarf, which average at five to five and a half feet, right? They're not that short. No. They are pretty short, but, you know, the tall ones are maxing out at five and a half feet, and he's literally a whole foot and more shorter than the tallest dwarves. It's adorable. He's a little fella then. Yeah. Lenora always calls him little creature in her head. She's never called it to him to his face. But in her head in the description he's called a little creature all the time. It's hilarious. Wonderful. Um yeah. Okay. Now Okay the... Joe, who's your favourite character? My favourite character. I wouldn't dare to suggest one of my own. Uh, I, I wouldn't because I don't think my characters are interesting enough yet but at least not in any of my novels some of the tv series uh, i've written some of the characters were quite interesting there but my favorite characters i'm going to go straight to sir terry pratchett may he rest in peace uh, i'm going I, i'm torn actually he's got two characters who i think represent him in different ways on one hand you've got granny weatherwax a witch the witch you know the she is, I mean, she's a wonderful character. Everything about her, she's strong, powerful, good, but not to, not in any way pleasant. Good is not nice, she says. Um, and just, there's one scene in Carpe Jugulum near the end where she's been teased the whole time about having showdowns, loving the big showdown at the end with this vampire family who have all bitten and fed from her. So they think she's under her power. And there's this one scene at the end where she walks into their castle, stirring a cup. And she makes them realise that she hadn't been magpie, she hadn't been turned into a vampire. They'd been weatherwaxed. And they're all staring at this cup of tea, all these vampires thirsting after a nice cup of tea. And then she looks at the tea and says, oh, it's got stone cold and just pours it out on the floor. And all the vampires realise what's happened to them. It's such a wonderful scene. But she's not my favourite character. Uh, my favourite character is another one uh, by Sir Terry, is uh, Sam Vimes. Another character who is such a, a powerful personality, but was never meant to be. He was supposed to be a sub-character. Um, Corporal Carrot was supposed to be the main character in God's Guards, and yet Vimes just grew into it. Grew into Vimes, Vimes danced onto the page, took over, and then refused to bugger off, right? We've all had this character. Yeah. 
any of you who are, if you've ever written anything, if you're doing it right, you've had at least one of these who have danced on the page, taken over, and you've gone, what, what, who are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm writing, in my own novel at the moment, I've got a character called Bob Hope. I know, so does he, that's the joke. Uh, but Bob Hope, who is a fat desk sergeant sitting behind a desk all day, who has just become one of the key cast for no reason whatsoever, despite originally having three lines when I was originally planning him. I'm several chapters in, and he's just spent half the last chapter sitting in a pub complaining about the beer being off. It sounds dull, it isn't as dull as it sounds. There is a reason for it. It's a very short chapter. That, that's Dazar in my series, right? This dwarf had a little cameo for about two chapters. Not He's not even the important character in those two chapters, right? And then, and then the little bugger refused to leave. And now, now he's my main character's best friend. <laughs> How... I mean, they're Legolas and Gimli at this point, right? <laughs> they're, they're best friends who sh- shouldn't be friends at all. And he's just, he's one of my favourite characters to write because he's so funny. He danced on the page, refused to leave, and I'm really glad he did because he's fun. There you go, barnacles. The best characters are barnacles. <laughs> yes. All right, um, before we get on to what makes a good character, I think it might be worth... Uh, Doing a new feature. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, new feature as if this isn't the first episode. Um, it's a new feature because <laughs> I just thought of it and we haven't <laughs> tried it yet. So it is a new feature. They're all new features, but this is the uh, the first one. This is a segment I was going to call Pedantry Corner, and then I realised there are no corners in it, and the pedant in me suggested that actually I couldn't therefore call it that. So this is that bit of the show where Joe rants about something that has annoyed him. Which I think. <laughs> and Hannah. Uh, Every now and then Hannah gets to rant, but my rants get a bit lengthy, so we'll, we'll leave Joe to it most of the time. Yeah, effectively. Um, we'll change the title week on week, I think. But. That's that's how it's what it's going to be called for now, and I hate the pen in me also hates little radio jingles, so uh, I had this done. The section of the show wherein Joe complains about some inane aspect of writing. You won't have heard it, Anna, because obviously I can't. Because you haven't sent it to me, you loser. I know, right? <laughs> um, okay, so this week's rent. I've got to decide some music to play over this, but this week's rant is on a a very current song, actually, um, from 2006. It's a song by <laughs> The Killers, When You Were Young. Perfectly fine I song. Love this song. It's a decent song. I have no issues with the song itself. My issue What's is that towards the end of it, he talks about the devil's water not being so sweet, and you don't have to drink right now, but you can dip your feet. Every once and a little while. Ah. What's that? Nobody says every once and a while. That doesn't. That makes no sense whatsoever. And it annoyed me to the point where I went and bought the single. <laughs> I gave this band money. <laughs> and the lyrics weren't in the it weren't in the box. So I went and I bought the album. I, 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 this cost me nearly twenty quid back in two thousand and six. I, I was just starting teaching, and this song had annoyed me enough. To, to take the day 
to go to HMV. Remember them? To go to HMV. And, They're still going. Are they? Good. Um, yeah. Buy a copy of the album, a physical copy, which I've still got somewhere. Samstown, it's called. Just so I could look in the lyrics booklet and see if that was what I wrote it as. And it was. Who has told them that this is correct? Who who said to them, it's every once and a while? Those two things don't go together. You can't have once and a while. It's once in a while. It's... Yeah, it's not even it's not even the excuse that it would fit the rhythm better because and and in have the same number of syllables. It it, it doesn't even sound better, and it, it just jars every once and a little while. No, stop it, Brandon Flowers. You've got a ridiculous name. I think you've got a decent voice. I think your solo stuff is pretty terrible, but that's my opinion. But every once in a while, and I saw him. I went to Live Eight, the big. Band, the big thing, big festival thing, and they were playing there. And I was thinking, finally, I'll get some closure on whether or not it's in or end. And he sang it there as well. And I was, I think, I was very restrained in not storming the stage and ending the entire gig there and then. But as it is, that is my rant for this week. Uh, I feel much better for that, actually, for having actually told somebody how much that song annoys me. <laughs> I'm glad you got that off your chest, Joe. Yeah, it's it's really, really, it's been festering for, what, 11 years now, Whew. that that one thing, and it's good to finally have told the world how much Brandon Flowers annoys me, and I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be devastated when he hears about it. I'm sure he will. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be sitting in his bath of money. And he'll be crying and wiping his tears away with more money. Or he'll tweet us and go, oh, I didn't realise I changed it now. <laughs> and yet, Jumps in the recording booth, changes it, re-releases the single. <laughs> makes more money and just annoys me even more. Yeah. <laughs> Curse you, Brandon Flowers. Although I do just like saying his name. It is a very pretty it name. It is, it's a wonderful name. Okay, so uh, character-wise, what to you makes a good character? What makes a good character to me? Depth. Mm-hmm. They've got to have depth in every way. Hang on, let me grab the Pinterest board that I've got, because Pinterest is my best friend. Pinterest, for those of you who aren't aware, is a website wherein people post up effectively pins. It's an online pin board. People put up pins with pictures and little pieces of information that you might want to use, and you can either look through the pins yourself, or you can look for a pin board that somebody else has made with pins they've got and basically steal that and be unoriginal, like me. And me. Mm. <laughs> Why reinvent the wheel? This is where I go when, I, when I've got writer's block and I don't know what's going to happen next. This is where I go. I just hit writing prompts in search bar and just scroll through and see what happens, see what I see. And it just, it just sparks my creativity. I hardly ever use any of it, even though I've got masses of it pinned to a board. Mm. <laughs> it's like Google for people who are visual learners. Yeah, basically. Mm. Right. So here's the thing that I found that massively changed everything for me when getting to know my characters. It's a pin called Things You Should Know About Each of Your Characters. Um, these are the basic bare bones questions that this creator um, says you have to know about your characters before you can really 
let them loose in your story. So what would completely break your character? What was the best thing in your character's life? What was the worst thing in your character's life? What seemingly insignificant memories stuck with your character? Does your character work so that they can support their hobbies or use their hobbies as a way of filling up the time they aren't working? What is your character reluctant to tell people? How does your character feel about sex? Which is an important one. Uh, I'll go into that in a second. How many friends does your character have? How many friends does your character want? What would your character make a scene in public about? Very important. What would your character give their life for? What are your character's major flaws? What does your character pretend or try to care about? How does the image your character tries to project, tries to project differ from image the image they actually project? And what is your character afraid of? And those just spark more and more questions in my head. Um, lots of why and when did that happen and how comes questions. Um, but um, the the question that always resonated with me is how does your character feel about sex? Now, I don't keep any of the... I'm going to go with explicit scenes in my books because they're not important. When, when you say opinion. keep, you mean you wrote them and then removed them? Yeah. That, so when I'm writing, that's a file I just on write computer you don't want to look at. It depends on your mood. Um, <laughs> maybe you do. Um, yeah. I just I write, and there are things that happen that I need to know that happen that maybe the audience doesn't need to know that happens, so they get removed. But you need to know how your character feels about things like sex, about physical contact with other people, about how they would respond in that situation. Sometimes the best way is just to write it and see what happens. You can take it out later, like I do. Um, but I wouldn't know the physicality as well of the kind of aftermath of it if I hadn't written it. Okay. So um, I, I know that's a bit of a tangent. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big picture kind of guy. I see everything from the big picture. So I, I don't think I could use that as is. But I think I find myself answering those questions as I was writing. Oh, yeah. No, I do that, you know. I have a lot of characters. I've just um, introduced a new character. He's not new. He's He's been in my head for a while, but I'm starting to get to know him now. I had a few bits and pieces. Like I had the bare bones of him, but as I'm writing, I'm getting to know him more because I just let him happen on the page, um, which I think is really important. It's important to organically let your characters happen. Basically, just let them loose and, and let them do what they would do because I think subconsciously you know these people very well because you've created them even if you don't necessarily know that the every tiny details, mm. if you are honest with them and honest with yourself as an author going, okay, I'm not in control of this story. They are because it's their actions and, and their choices that dictate where we go. I have a general idea of the path that we're going to take, but you know what? There's detours and sometimes they like to take them read all of the time. Mm-hmm. That's what they're for. <laughs> Um, so if you let your characters grow and, and develop on their own merit rather than trying to pigeonhole them into something, I think you'll create something much more authentic to the character and you will get to the point where you're writing them, you'll come to a situation and you don't have to think about how they respond to it because you know. Mm. There are times when they're new characters, you have to think a lot about how they would do this and what would they say then? And then you get to a point where you it just flows because you know them so well. Well, that's the thing. They will respond to it when it gets to that point. It's not you anymore. Yeah. No. 
Um, I was watching Little Women. The BBC have just done another one. Um, I was watching that the other night because I'm a fool and I like to bawl my eyes out because I know the bad things are going to happen. I've read it so many times and watched so many adaptations of it. I know what's going to happen, right? Still makes me cry because <laughs> I'm a giant girl. <laughs> uh, for reference, Hannah is not a giant girl. She is a regular sized girl. Ah, oh, spoiling my fun she's now, not, She's not quite as terrifying as she could be. I don't know, I have my moments. Uh, I say quite as terrifying. Yeah. Um, but there was um, a quote on that, and I can't remember it now off the top of my head, uh, but Joe's she's talking to, to Laurie because her sister just burnt the pages of the book that she's been writing, and oh my gosh, if that was my sister, she wouldn't have lived to see the next day. Yeah. Right? Oh no, I, I murdered she, my sister she wouldn't some years have. ago for pretty much that. Um, it, it's just... I I got locked out of this laptop about six months ago and I cried for a week because it had the only up-to-date copies of certain bits and I had to start again. Wow, yeah. And I cried. Um, but yeah, one of the lines on that, and it, I mean, it was beautifully written as a TV show. Writing isn't like that. It passes through mm. you and you have to catch it on the page. Yeah. And as she said that, I had to pause it because it was so like. And then you had to tell me about it. Someone else gets it. I was I was cooking at the time. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, um, I had to tell you because it's when you you see things like that and you hear things like that and you you just instinctively know that that other writer, that other person, gets it. Because if you don't get it down on the page right then and there, it'll change and it'll warp and it won't be the same. And it will probably be worse because you're paranoid that it will be. And you're so you grip so tightly to it to try and keep hold of it. I, that I you think break that's it. definitely the case. Um, coming back to character, I think uh, it's all right. The, uh, Sorry. This is what fills all the time. Um, coming back to the character. If <laughs> I, I agree with you entirely about this long list of questions that you need to be able to answer before you have a complete character but just as a starting point because i also want to give people kind of grassroots advice here as well there's there'll be people here who have written novels who are listening i'm yeah. sure i hope um if you are thank you very much uh, if there'll be people here as well who are just getting into writing just starting out or don't have much by way of experience and i want to pass on some advice i got from uh, a man named ben yartsey croshaw um goes by the pseudonym yartsey online mostly but he's written a few novels, and he said that the way he creates characters is very simple. He starts out with the very basic details, but he'll also say about... Um, he'll give them one flaw for everyone, because we all hate Mary Sue's. So everyone gets one flaw, and not something ridiculous, not something that's never going to come up. Uh, if your character is afraid of snakes, and the story is set in space, and there are no snakes in this particular space fiction then it's not a flaw, is it? Um, or, or if it's a flaw that's secretly a good thing, like they're too modest, no, don't do that. Um, so one flaw, three positive things about them to make you actually like them, to make them actually a likeable person. One interesting thing from their past and one thing that makes them stand out, usually physically. Might be a twitch, might be they've got one eye, um, it might be they, they've got a beard down to their waist, which would really make them stand out if it was a woman. But 
one thing that really makes them stand out, and that's all you need for a character. That's your starting point. And as they grow from that, I find that that actually helps me plan the plot as well, because often their flaw or their past events will lead into a separate event in the plot. Maybe they've lost a family member, and that will affect the way they react to things, for example. Um, mm. But that is a great starting point for each of your characters, and it takes two minutes to do for everyone. So if you're introducing a new character, you can do that very quickly, and they can grow from there. I think I kind of just do that instinctively, um, because I'm, I'm a people watcher, right? I love That's to watch creepy. people. It is a bit creepy, right? I'm I'm that person that sits on the bus and looks out the window and watches everyone yeah. as they go about their day, right? I'm the one that sits I'm the one that sits in Costa with nothing else to do, just yeah, watching actually, people that happen. Yeah, actually, that is a quite enjoyable way to spend an afternoon. I I love it. I'm fascinated, and I know such a wide range of people now. I did once try to do that in weather spoons, and three people tried to fight me. That's because it's weather spoons. Yeah, I know my lesson. Um, but it because we're not sponsored by Weatherspoons, as you may have guessed. Yeah. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Please, Mister Weatherspoon, you're welcome to. But because I know a lot of people, and one of my one of my superpowers, without wanting to sound crass or anything about it, one of my superpowers is to be able to get people to relax and trust me very, very quickly. So I get to know things about people that no one else knows. It's mm. it's bonkers, but it happens. And it's really quite infuriating, actually. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> mm. Um, but because of that, I get to see a lot of the flaws in people because they trust me very quickly. They drop those barriers, and I get to see who they are as a person, honestly, without any of the the front and the show that they put on for the rest of the world. So I think instinctively I know that every person is flawed and I know that, you know, people a lot of the time are more flawed than they are not flawed. Mm. And a lot of my, well, in fact, all of my characters have incredible flaws. Yeah. They're, they are it's worth... so flawed as people. And I love that yeah. about them because it makes them interesting. It's worth remembering that 90% of what we do as a human is in attempting to hide our own flaws. Exactly. And if your characters are people, they'll be doing that as well. Yeah. I mean, Lenora's biggest flaw is that she's impatient, she's impulsive, but she also can't make a decision to save her life for the majority of book one. Yeah, precisely. Um, I, I can think of so many flaws for my key character, but mostly he's uh, basically completely incapable of committing to anything ever. He's just bummed around being a low-level police officer for his entire career, never wanted promotion or anything. And that he knows that's a problem, but he just never done anything about it. Yeah, and my favourite thing about the, the progression in book one for me is watching Lenora basically be forced to make these decisions. I throw her into situations and go, you have to pick. You're a grown-up now, you well, have to pick. And just watching her flounder around on the page is quite funny sometimes. Um but, you know, watching her develop through that and develop different flaws and new flaws as she goes because of the consequences of her actions and her choices has been Oh, that's the thing. Beautiful. Have consequences to your character's actions. Always have consequences. Always. Well, then, so what have we learned today? 
I think we've learned that characters are multifaceted, they're interesting, but have to be human more than anything, even if they're not. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I think be careful not to make them too flawed, but don't be afraid to make them extremely flawed. I think some of my favourite characters in anything are the flawed ones. That's why Ron is my favourite Harry Potter character, because he's so incredibly flawed. He's not the most intelligent. He's not the most talented. Honestly, he's a bit of a dick half the time. Mm. But he tries. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll allow that, even though he's ginger. He tries, do you know, and, and he is loyal to a fault. And, you know, he makes some pretty crappy decisions as the series goes on. But he's the one you can always count on to be there. Yeah, uh, it's, um, and also don't forget your your best characters. Your best characters, the ones that you're going to remember, they're the barnacles. They're the ones yes. that grab hold of you as a writer and won't let go. Those are going to be the ones to base a story on. I don't know about base a story on because I don't think I'd want Dezar to have his own story so much. Um, maybe in the future. I know he's going to be a pretty integral part of the plot moving forward, but... Um, but in the sense of he's still kind of a secondary character, but he's he's a character I love having on the page. But at the same time, um, I don't know if I'd enjoy him being there all the time because he's kind of like my reward for getting through the boring bits. <laughs> yeah, but those are the characters that uh, really stick with people. Those are your Loki from yeah. the old cinematic universe. Those are yes. your Boba Fett's from Star Wars. They're the ones that yeah. gain massive fan followings. And yeah. those are the ones you need to keep in your story, even if it's just for a short while. I was, Definitely. I finished watching Stranger Things 2 yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but I was reading about it afterwards because I'm a massive nerd and I do that. And one of the things I learned that was that until the Duffer Brothers approached Netflix with it, they approached several other networks who were quite happy to make it, but they wanted to take out the main plot with the kids and have Hopper be the main character. Boring. Have the sheriff, the manly sheriff, the manly man be the be the main character. And it took their vision away completely. Now, he's a great character, yeah. but he's not someone you want to base a story around. No, he's a fantastic supporting character. Yeah, just, just be aware that sometimes the traditional protagonist isn't the one you want to be the lead character in your story. Yeah. Or maybe they are the lead character, but they need a certain amount of backup. Mm. Otherwise, people are going to get bored. Yeah, don't let people get bored with your story. Yeah, because there's only so much whinging from Lenora and Fallon I can take. Okay. So, thank you ever so much if you're still with us for listening to us ramble on uh, for an hour about writing and things. So, uh, have you got anyone to thank? I have to say a big thank you to you, Joe, because this entire insanity was your idea. Uh, you posted in whichever Terry Pratchett group it was. I don't remember now. The gods alone, the gods alone know. I'm asking them. They're not being helpful. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this entire thing was your idea. And you asked me if I'd come on board to do an interview with you. And I have since hijacked the whole thing. And it's really great fun doing this. Um, really looking forward to the rest of it so thank you joe That's quite right. for creating such a brilliant i thing. couldn't do it without you honestly um it would be very strange me asking questions to myself 
Yeah. Kind of tempted to try it, but putting on a different accent each time. Do it. But next week's episode will be uh, hosted by me. And also by me. Happy Irish version of me. Okay, no, don't oh, do it. If you and I do an episode in an accent, right, you and I will be speaking in an accent for a week solid afterwards because just because you're not wrong. You're not wrong entirely. I know I'm not wrong. uh, Let's let's sign this off before we start talking accents to each other. (laughs) Yeah, let's not do that. I was stuck in a Welsh accent for way too long. Yeah, me too, actually. Um, it did. It did allow me to get into some of the pubs though, in Aberystwyth when I lived there, so it was all right. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time. Please do get in touch. I gave you all a salute. I'll see you later. How many fingers were in that salute? All of them. Right, then. Obviously. Just checking. <laughs>